0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning in to the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, hey there, listen, welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Matt. For those of you who don't know who I am, I actually used to be on staff here for about five years until this past February. Um I actually transitioned off staff earlier this year but still very much a part of this community nothing bad happened some people were wondering if I like got caught stealing from the collection plate or something and Scott fired me trust me nothing happened okay and it just actually I started a business a couple years before I started working here and there just got to be a point where both of them sort of converged at the same like requirement of time at the same time my three boys are growing up so had to make a choice. Me and my wife prayed about it, and I just felt that this is what God had for us. And so even though I'm not technically on staff, like I said, I'm still very much a part of Blue Ridge Church. Love this community. Love what God's doing here, um, and just excited to see where God has for us for the next couple years. So um, I'm glad you're here. Like Justin said, we're kicking off this brand new series called Written in Stone, and it's about the Ten Commandments. Just be straight up. And and what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's law. We're going to look at the things that God tells us, uh, things that he wants us to do, things that he's called us to avoid. And what we're going to do the best we can is to look at the reason why. Okay, I don't want anyone to think, oh gosh, you know, a series on rules and laws, oh great, I learned this growing up my whole life. Listen, this is not going to be a laundry list of you got to do this, you got to stop doing this kind of series. What we really want to do is get to the reasons why. God gave us the law, to look back at the time period when the Israelites received the law, what was the context around that, and, and really answer some serious questions in our lives today in terms of whether or not we have to obey what this thing says, right? See, here's, there's two main perspectives on rules, and it doesn't just apply to the Bible. It applies to everything in life, but there's two main perspectives. The first one is that laws and rules are needed for order, right? They provide structure. Um, You could see this in your workplace. You could probably, if you're a parent, you know this to be so true. Um, It takes my boys about 11 seconds to realize that we're not in the room before they destroy everything they can see. Okay, I don't, I'm not even kidding. My wife is here. She can attest to that. It is hard, right? Like, if you're a parent, you know that rules provide structure, they provide order. Uh, It would be chaotic in life if we didn't have some sort of law or structure to go by. That's government, that's, again, family, workplace, church. Uh, in, in relationships, same thing. Um, but but that's one perspective. It's probably more of the obvious, common sense one. But but then there's another type of perspective, and and I don't want to say the first one's common sense and this isn't because this is a legitimate perspective on rules. Is there's a lot of th- a lot of us, and it's a lot of pressure from the culture we live in, but a lot of us who believe that rules are mostly unnecessary, right? Like maybe that's because they prevent you from doing what you want to do, or they're oppressive. Uh, which I'm not going to argue against because I do believe certain rules and laws are oppressive. Um, But generally speaking, this type of person who has this perspective would believe that for the most part, we can self-govern ourselves. We don't need a list of rules. We don't need a book to tell us what to do and what not to do. um, And and we can live however we want. And, And I think as believers, if you're here this morning, you're watching online, I think it's a fair question to ask that even today, Is it required for me as a believer, if you're here and you trust God, do I have to follow the rules in this book? Because let's be honest, when you open this thing up, there are a lot of do this and don't do that. There's a lot of things that God tells us in this book to do or or things he tells us to stay away from. As a matter of fact, if you were to add up every single one, there'd be over 600 different rules and laws and commandments that God gives to us between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, and so we've got to, at some point, when you're on this faith journey, you've got to figure out, is it something that God wants us to still follow today? Or is it just good enough to look at and to see what it was like back then, but really doesn't have much relevance for us today? Okay, so that's the question I want to really pose and answer this morning. And so if you want to follow along, here's learning number one. You can open up the Church Center app, or if you want to scan that QR code in front of you, you can be brought to this. But here's the first learning. God calls every believer To obedience. Okay, it is very clear in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that God cares whether or not we obey. It's important to God that we listen to Him. It's important to God that we obey Him. As a matter of fact, in the the New Testament, the book of 1 John, John tells us that one of the ways we can tell if we're in the faith is by our obedience to Him. Here's what it says in chapter one, verses two through five, or two through six. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word will truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Doesn't get much clearer than that, right? There's a very specific purpose that God has when he's given us the law. We're gonna talk about a couple of those purposes, but one of the first ones is to understand the purpose of God's law is to follow it, right? We're called to follow, we're called to obey it. And and as we're gonna learn, not just because that's what God wants, but there's gonna be specific reasons why it's so important for God that we obey the rules and we obey the commandments that he's given us. Now, uh, to get to this, I want to help you understand a little bit of how, how we operate on our daily lives when it comes to rules and commandments. Um, a couple weeks ago, me and my wife took our boys for our first really big camping trip to Myrtle Beach. We got in a trailer last year. And so uh, we decided we're going to pull this thing seven hours in and see how this goes. So my boys, generally speaking, very well behaved. right? if you're in the kids area, you know they are very good at listening. They're good at doing what you've asked them to do. But when they're home that's a little different. (laughs) And I'll be honest with you, the first couple days of this trip were brutal. Like it was like a minefield of trying to get them to listen to anything we were telling them to do. We would tell them something and they wouldn't listen. And so like any other parent does, what did we do? We yelled it louder, right? And louder and louder until we finally lost it and, and screamed at them or yelled at them to discipline them because they weren't listening to us. And so what was happening was that our kids would only listen to us for those first couple of days if we yelled, right? They would not care in the world. They would act like they would not even exist until we got angry or until we threatened to take away something that they loved. And, and as a parent, you know, that, that, that's, not, that's not the way I want to do it, right? I, I don't want to live my life and parent my kids to where the only time they ever listen to me is when I yell at them, or the only time that they obey my instruction is when I threaten to take away something that they love. And so I'm like, I got to fix this. We got to figure out how to, how to deal with these kids. And so we're, I was reading books and looking online and asked ChatGPT to help me out here. And, and I realized this. This is something really interesting is that children between the ages of 18 months and 14 years old receive on average 500 commands every single day. 500 commands every single day from their parents, from their teachers, from their bus drivers, from their guardians, from their grandparents, from, from many of them, from church, 500 every single day. That ends up working out to something like one command every two minutes they're awake, okay? And so what happens is because they can't comprehend and deal with 500 commands every single day, what they do is they tune out the things that are unimportant or the things that they believe to be unimportant. And can you guess how they tell what's important, what's not? Right, it's by yelling at them, (laughs) right? How loud we yell. So in their minds, they're assuming, if mom and dad are yelling at me, it must be important. But if they're not yelling at me, it can't be that important or else they would speak up right? And so it becomes this game of trying to figure out, and really, if you think about it, it's our fault, right? It's our problem that we have really pushed on our children. So if you're here and you're like, my kids don't listen to me, think about that. Think of how many times throughout the day you're telling them, get out of bed. Okay, get your clothes on, get your shoes on. No, you got to wear socks first. Not those shoes, other shoes. Come outside, get in the car, get your seatbelt on, get your seatbelt off, come out, close the door, right? All day long, we're telling them what to do. We're giving them instructions. And so it's natural for them to just cherry-pick the things that they believe to be most important. Now, when we transition from childhood into adulthood, this does not go away, right? Some of you are like, my marriage is a testimony to that. I know it. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? It might look different. We might not just outright ignore the people who are talking to us or giving us commands or telling us what to do, but we'll do something different. What we do as adults is we'll, we'll determine what's most important based on the consequence of not doing it. Right, So if, if the consequence is severe, we're more likely to do it. Whereas if it's not that bad, there's a little bit more freedom in our minds of, eh, it's worth the risk. Right? Let me give you an example. How many of you here use the, uh, the app Waze on your phone when you're traveling for GPS? Right, a lot of us. Okay, now keep your hands up. How many of you only use this app because it tells you where police are located? Right? Like there's, there's no trick. There's no police in every corner waiting for you to say this. My hands up, right? I'm, I'm No judgment here. Um, but, but it's true, right? It uh, proves the point that we are more likely to break the rules and bend the rules if we know that we can avoid the consequences. If we know that we can get around it by circumventing those consequences, whether it's being able to tell where a police officer is or, or knowing that based on technicalities, we could argue certain things in the Bible to be true or to be not. And, and we can go through our lives to do this. And we do this as adults all the time. And here's why this is so important. Because when it comes to the Bible, with over 600 commands telling us, do this, don't do that, live this way, don't live that way, sometimes that can be what's called command overload for us. And instead of coming to the scripture and learning what God wants us to do and how he wants us to live our lives, what we'll do instead is cherry pick the things in our minds we think are most important to God. We'll pick out the ones typically based on the severe consequences and say, can't do this. But some of the other stuff, eh, do it yourself, right? Go for it. See what happens. Take the risk. And so what happens to the Christian community, not just Blue Ridge Church, but the Christian community at large is we become a mix of people who have taken it upon themselves. And and listen, I'm guilty of this too. I'm not speaking down to anyone or accusing anyone of this. This is something every believer does, is without even realizing it, we all come together thinking, I know what's most important to God. The problem is what I think is most important to God is probably a lot different than what you think is most important to God, right? And that creates a problem for us as Christians because what is most important to God, right? How are we supposed to tell what's most important to God? And and the reality is it's not our job to determine what's most important to God. It's to discover what's most important to God. Right? And we can have this conversation of different inter- interpretations and, and go to every length again, ba- you know, going through the technicalities of that. But the reality is God has given us his word in order to discover what's most important to him. And at the end of the day, what matters most to us as followers of Christ, if you're here and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, is learning and understanding what's most important to God. And one of the main purposes and ways he does that is by giving us his commandments, to giving us His laws. Now, um, to truly understand this, to truly grasp this, um, it's really important for us to go back in time. And I know we do this a lot at this church, but we go back to this somewhat of the same story or the same time period. But it's so important, so much in the rest of the Bible hinges on this one event that it really can change the way we see almost all of scripture and all of the Bible, even stuff in the New Testament. Okay, so back about 3,500 years ago was the story of Moses and the context around giving us the Ten Commandments, right? The the commandments that we all know to be, you know, the the, the set in stone, okay? And so at this time period, what's going on is is the Israelites are slaves in Egypt, right? If you read through the book of Genesis, you can see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They have this huge family, all these descendants. Well, they started reproducing and getting so large that the, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, was like, they're growing too fast. Like, and if they get so large of, of a people group, they're going to take us over and destroy us. And so what he decides to do is enslave them before that could happen. And so he takes them under and enslaves them for hundreds of years. And during this hundreds of years time period, uh, the people are crying out to God for rescue, just begging God to come rescue us, free us from this oppression. And God listens to them in the book of Exodus and sends this guy, Moses, right? Through the burning bush. And he's like, hey, Moses, you're my guy. I want you to go to the Egyptians. I want you to argue with Pharaoh, free my people, and bring them out of Egypt into the land that I've promised them. Okay, that's why the name of the book is the book of Exodus, because it's literally narrating the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt into the land that God had given to them. Okay, and so the Bible says that exactly two months after they leave Egypt, they arrive at this wilderness, this open wilderness this place called Sinai. And so they set up camp at the base of a mountain, Mount Sinai, and here's what the scripture says in Exodus chapter 19, verses three through six. He says, Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me, And keep my covenant; you will be my own special treasure from among the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. So what God is doing here is He's making an incredibly important promise to His people. And if you were to like read through like front to cover of the Bible and just pick out ten major markers of the most important things in all of Scripture, this would be one of them. Because it's the first time that God introduces this covenant at the scale that he does to the people of Israel of his promise to them, of the promise that he's making to them. So to, to what does he say? If you obey my instructions, I will what? I will consider you, I'll, I'll make you my own special treasure. I will, I will make you the most a special treasure throughout the earth and I will be you will be my kingdom of priests you'll be a holy nation there's all these promises tied to this covenant and so this is one of the first times where God introduces this to the people and it's so important that we understand certain aspects of it because of learning number 2 to fully understand the law we need to realize the order of God's offer Okay, this is, this is huge. This is one of those places in the Bible that is so easy. Like we hear the story of the Egyptians and the 10 commandments so often. It's really easy to forget the, the details of how this all happened because one of, the, one of the biggest struggles of Christianity is trying to get your mind out of the, the performance-based Christianity, right? Where we believe that our value is determined by our obedience, where, where how God sees us or how much God loves us is determined by how well or how unwell we're able to obey the commandments that he gives us, okay? And so it's important for us to realize this because the order is a lot different than many of us assume. Check this out. The Israelites were freed. They were, they were saved and rescued before God gave them the law, right? Like, it's important that we understand the order, that that they didn't come to the law and said, okay, here's what we've got to do, and, and, and if we do those things, you'll love us. If he did it that way, then then what he probably would have done was give the Israelites the law while they're still slaves in Egypt and then wait a couple years and then send Moses and say, hey, I'm here to rescue my people and and I'm here to, to rescue the people who are good at obeying and just rescue those instead of everybody. No, God did it the other way around because he was trying to intentionally demonstrate how his heart is towards his people that it's not based on their ability to obey or not obey. It's not based on their, their strengths and their weaknesses, and, and their lives don't have to become this, this constant attempt to prove that God made the right decision by saving them or by rescuing them, right? And that's a hard mentality to get out of for us, isn't it? Because in our culture, everything we do is judged. Everything we do is, is, is really, we're, we're judged by it, right? Think about from the moment we're born. We're judged on how fast we can learn to walk, talk, how fast we can learn to read. Parents will even compare our kids to other kids, and if they're not reading at that certain level or doing things when other kids are doing those things, we'll think, well, something's wrong with my kid. Or in the other way, if they're doing it before everyone, you think you have a genius kid, and so you live like he's like or she's like the best thing ever in the world, and everyone else should believe that too. Right? It gives us this, this, this skewed perspective on humanity. I mean, and that doesn't stop. right? As we get older, it's based on our grades. And then we're judged based on what schools we get into, and then we're judged based on how much money we make. And then as we get older and we start having our own kids, then we're judged based on their performance, right? How fast can your kids learn how to read? How fast can your kids learn how to walk? And is this a cycle that goes on and on and on. Literally everything we do is judged based on our performance. Everything. And that's why it's so hard as Christians to wrap our minds around the reality that God rescued us before he gave us the list of requirements of what he wants us to follow. Right? Think about it. There's no way to grade someone if there's no set of rules. And God knew this and intentionally did it this way so he could prove to the people that he didn't want their lives to revolve around the rules, thinking that they've got to follow all these in order to be loved by him. Instead, what he's saying is, since I rescued you first, I saved you first. Here's the law. Here's how you can love me. Here's how you can shape your life and live your life to live it out the way that I've created for you to live it. He says, I'm your father. I'm, I created you. I know how you work. I know what, 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 what ways you operate best. I've created you with plans. I've given you gifts. I've given you abilities. I've given you strengths in your life. I know how this works. You just got to trust me. And the way we trust him is what? By living our lives the way Jesus did. And how did Jesus live his life? in complete obedience to the Father. He trusted in God. He trusted in God's will. That's why when he came, he says he's here to do the, the will of the Father. He's not here to do his own thing. He's here to do and, and to to go to places where God has sent him because that is the purpose. And that's that's what we need to see in the law, that it's not just this list of do this and don't do that and and see it as a way for us to qualify ourselves before God or even prove ourselves that that God made the right decision by saving us when we made that choice. It's the guidebook to show us how to live our lives, to to really show us what's most important to God. That's the law, right? The, The law that we have isn't just for him to give us rules and commandments. It's to prove to us, one, that he loves us, but also to show us the way to live our lives. When you read through the New Testament, you see that this is one of the main things Jesus goes after and one of the things that really angers him more than other things that that we might wonder, right? For example, uh, the Israelites, by the time Jesus showed up, the Israelites got to a place where they were so obsessed with the law, they were so obsessed with the rules that God gave them that they actually created a, a subset of laws beyond God's laws to help them and prevent them from breaking God's real laws, right? It was this whole mess of religion. Okay, and so so what they would do is they create these fence laws. And, and typically, um, how it would work is something like this. We, we sort of have some of these still. Um, I grew up as, in Catholic church, and one of the big things was the uh, uniform you had to wear. Right, that was a big deal. You had to wear the uniform. There were strict rules on this, especially for the girls. And one of the reasons why they had certain rules was, you know, for example, of dressing modestly as, as a girl is because their reason was because it distracted the boys, okay? And if the boys get distracted, then they cause problems. Okay, and so this fence rule was created, even though it wasn't wrong for someone to wear a certain length of skirt or whatever, they made it that in order to prevent people from getting distracted. And they thought that if they could just get rid of all of the distractions, it would prevent the kids from being bad. This is exactly what the Israelites were doing. They were taking God's law and they were building a wall, building a fence around it with different laws and different commandments that they made up that would ultimately prevent people from even accidentally breaking God's law. Okay, and I can bet that if you're here this morning and you've read through the Old Testament and you're like, I can't believe that's in there. Like, this is a crazy rule. This is a crazy law. Chances are, I'd say nine times out of 10, probably not God's law, probably something the Israelites did in order to prevent people from breaking God's law. And this was one of the most oppressive systems, like imaginable. I mean, Jesus comes into this and tries to drop a nuke in the middle of it because what had happened is it created a religious culture that separated people based on their ability to obey God, right? To where the ones who are really good at it got the big jobs. The ones who weren't that good at it, who struggled with it, who weren't great at following all the rules and memorizing the scripture, you know what they ended up being? The fishermen, the carpenters, ironically, all the people that Jesus chose to be his disciples, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why he picked those people. But what it goes to show is how so many times in life that, that if we become so obsessed with the rules, we can completely forget the reason why the rules were given in the first place. And that's to show us the heart of God, to show us what matters most to God. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 2 when Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're picking grain in the field one day and the, the religious leaders see it, and here's what they say. They say, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Well, I've always wondered about this, and, and I think I finally figured it out, is, is the, the, the problem here is that Jesus wasn't actually breaking the law. The religious leaders really thought he was. Like, they truly thought that the reason why they wanted him dead was because they truly believed that he was breaking all the rules that God had given them. And not only was he doing this, but he was leading other people in this in doing things that traditionally these people didn't do because they'd built up all these other rules on top of rules and it became this game of who can obey, who can't obey. And it became this entire mess of, of church that Jesus literally came in and tried to destroy and build back up from the ground showing you missed it. You missed the point of the law. The, the law wasn't there to qualify people for my life or for my love. The law is there to point people to me, to show the people this is how I want you to live. This is how I've created for you to live. And if you trust me with it, then then you receive the promise that God had made. Now, if you're a Christian and, and you have a really strong desire to follow God, and, and I'm not saying there's Christians who really don't, but there's, there's kind of like a, a scale, right? There's some of us here that, that you might be able to say, you know, even though I might not be well-behaved, might, I might not be the greatest person, like you truly have a desire to learn more and to know more about God and you want to work on your faith. You're probably going to struggle with this part of it more than most people because you're going to associate obedience with how much God likes you or how much he doesn't like you. And you'll even probably start to get to a place, and I know this so much because I'm that type of person too, where I will often get caught in the place where I'm focused so much on the rules of obeying the rules that I'll associate all the good things that happen to me as a response of, oh, I must have been really good and this is why God did it. Or if there's bad things that happen to me, it's like, what did I do wrong? I must have broken one of these. It must be because of this. And we can get so caught up in this game that it completely Races, and we completely forget the whole reason why the law was given, and it's to show us how to know the heart of God, to show us what God desires from us. That's a huge part of the law. It's a huge part of understanding God, and it leads us to understanding this. And it's learning number three: that every one of God's commands serves a specific purpose. Okay, kind of alluded to this in the beginning, but. But we need to understand God's laws, the, the commandments in the scripture, they're not arbitrary rules. Like right? they weren't just random things that God said because they sounded good or he thinks it might work and may not, but we'll say it anyways. Like as parents, we give rules sometimes that are pointless. We're like, oh like there's certain things that like rules in our house where I'm just like, there's no reason behind it. It's just, I don't want you to do this and I don't wanna to have to defend myself and explain to you why I don't want you to do this. Right, my oldest son, Wyatt, It's kind of ironic, his name's Wyatt, but he's always asking why. Literally every question or every command we give him, every rule we've set in our house, there is a response, why? And then we'll explain it and he'll say, why? And this goes on and on and on until you finally have got to be like, because I run the house and and this is where I live. Me Me and your mommy, we make the rules, you obey the rules, okay? And sometimes we can get frustrated and be like, you need to follow the rules because I made the decision, and, and if you're living under my household, then you better be willing to obey my rules. I just turned into my dad there for a minute and did not like it. <laughs> um, but it's true, isn't it? Like, sometimes as parents, we give arbitrary rules, mean nothing, right? We just want to do because prideful, maybe that's, you know, we just want to have authority, we want to have control, and so we need to enforce the rules. This is not how God does it. Okay, God is not angry when you ask him why. God wants you to ask Why? He wants you to ask why because when you ask why, you get to the reason. And when you understand the reason, it helps you understand the purpose. Why did God give us all these rules? Why does it matter so much that God wants us to do this? Well, because it's most important to God and he knows better than we do. See, that's the hard part, man. That is is so hard about Christianity is convincing ourselves that God truly knows better than we do. Because at the bottom of our hearts, don't we all kind of believe that we're really good people? Like, we're not that bad. Like, we're not killing people. We're not stealing from everyone. We're not not out there committing adultery every day. Like, generally speaking, we're pretty good people. And so what we assume is, I can't possibly be that bad. And, And so when we get rules and commandments and guidelines, it's like, whoa, 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 these things are so oppressive. These things are, you know, why are we trying to fit ourselves in these boxes where we should be free and be able to do whatever we want to do? Because at the bottom of our hearts, we're really good people. One of the purposes of the law was to show us, no, you're actually not. We're not as good as we think we are. We're not as moral as we think we are. We're not as virtuous as we think we are. And if we had no law to lead us and to guide us, every single one of us would fall into the chaos. Every single one of us. And you can read through the Old Testament, read through the New Testament, story after story, where the people of God thought they knew better than God, wanted to do it their own way, and it led to to the same place every time, destruction. It led them to a place where they were so distant and so far from God that at times they'd be led into exile and controlled by a whole other nation altogether. I see what God is doing is, is showing that there is a specific purpose for every single command. Here's what it says in Psalm 119, chapter, one, chapter 119, verse 105. David says that these, the law is a lamp for my feet. He's saying it's a light for my path saying it's not pointless. It's not just this random law. There's not just just accidental rules that people made up. There is a purpose that helps you to see where I want you to go, right? So many of us ask the same question over and over, myself included. God, what do you want with my life? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to live my life? The answer is right here. Start with following God. Start with following his word. And once you're following his word, his promises that it'll be a light for your path. It'll show you where to go. It'll show you where he wants you to go because the Holy Spirit will illuminate that path. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, talking about the scripture, saying that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The hard part is believing it and trusting it. You know, a lot of times we think trusting God comes down to my ability to believe that he exists right, the struggle of unbelief. But the true difficulty is trusting, not that whether he exists or not is true, but whether what he says or not is true. Because hey, you look at the Bible, when it talks about certain commands, there's a lot of commands about letting, uh, letting go of your pride and considering other people more important than yourself. And that doesn't work out so well in, in our careers, You know, when we're taking the back seat and we're saying, I'm going to be humble and I'm not going to take credit for every single thing I did. Instead, I'm going to focus on the bigger picture. Sometimes that is the reason why you might get looked over for a promotion or a raise or some sort of accolade or acknowledgement. Sometimes when the Bible tells us that we should be spending our money in this way instead of the way that we want to, sometimes we can see that as oppressive. It's like, why would God ever want me to do that? That makes no sense. God can't possibly care that much about the way I spend my money. It doesn't hurt anybody. Why does he care? And so what happens as we start going down this path is it eventually leads us to, like we talked about before, this lawlessness where we just truly believe God can't possibly care of whether or not we obey the Scripture. And some of us might even get to the spot where we twist and bend the Bible to say something it doesn't say, where we can just go live our lives however we want to live them, do what we want to do, and at the end of the day, we've got a stamp and we've got a ticket that says, still get into heaven Because I had Jesus in my back pocket, even though we lived our whole lives without following him at all. See, this is the, the message that Jesus is trying to communicate to these people, that it's not about just following because I said so, it's following because it reveals my heart. And there's a specific purpose and reason why I've given you these laws and these commandments, because it brings you closer to me and helps you see the need for me. Listen, without the law, we would never see our need for Jesus. We would never see our need for Jesus, and it's learning number four. Without God's commands, we'd never see our need for Jesus. Here's a great example of this. How many of you here are fans of Lord of the Rings? Okay, three of us. Nice, awesome. The rest of you, y'all have no idea how cool we are, okay? Okay, but this story, uh, it's a novel. It's a fictional novel, and it's actually written by a really uh, strong Christian man, J.R.R. Tolkien, and he uses a ton of Christian imagery from the Bible in his writings. But it's this story about the ring, right? This one ring that whoever possesses the ring basically can control the world, okay? And so the story goes that, or the the inspiration of the story goes like this, that back about 400 years before Jesus came lived this philosopher named Plato. A lot of you probably remember that from school, Plato, Aristotle. Well, Plato wrote this story called, I can't remember exactly what the name of it is called, but he talks about the story of this guy named Gyges. And it's this, This fictional story that Plato uses to prove a very specific point, and this is how the story goes. There's this shepherd boy named Gyges who is this very moral, upright, very well-respected in the community, and he stumbles upon this ring. And the ring has the power to make him go invisible anytime he puts it on. And so what Plato does is tells this story and shows that this is the greatest temptation that no human being, regardless of who you are, could ever resist. Because here's what the ring would do. It would allow you to do whatever you want to do without any consequence at all. You could break the law. You could go kill someone. You could steal from someone. You could do whatever you want to do, and nobody would ever know. And the story goes is that this guy, Gaijus, he gets the ring, and at first he's like, I'm not going to use it for bad. I'm not going to use it for evil. But then he puts it on and realizes he can manipulate things and not get in trouble for it. And so he starts Basically, he has an affair with the queen, and then he goes and kills the king, and then he eventually takes over the entire kingdom. And so what it's proving here, what Plato proves, and is the same thing that the Old Testament, who was written way before Plato, is proving is that the human heart is not as good as you think it is. And if you were left to do whatever you wanted to do, you would choose evil and wrong and sin every single time. If there was no consequence for doing wrong, none of us here—I don't care who you are—if you're Mr. Rogers, you would choose to do wrong, because that's the human heart, and that's one of the purposes that the law serves: is to show us that without Jesus, we can't make it work. We'll never live up to that standard, and so we need a Savior. As a matter of fact, there's a, the book of Judges in the Bible is all surrounding the context of God saying, "You think you can do it yourself? Be my guest." There's no king, no leaders to, to rule the people and, and help them to know God's law. And every single story in that Bible, I mean, it's entertaining. You've got to read this. Every single story results in the exact same thing. The people think they're good enough. People think they can do it on their own. And they find out a terrible, horrific, sometimes even brutal way that they can't. And every time they're led back to the same conclusion. The last verse in that entire book says this. In Judges chapter 21, verse 25, in those days, there were no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever was right in his own eyes. They just did whatever they wanted. And you know what that led to? It led to the people of God begging him to give them a king. God, we can't do this on our own. We don't know what to do. No one follows the rules when we're left to do what we want to do. And so the Israelites come together and they they basically get all the prophets together and they're like, y'all need to figure out a way to give us a king because we can't do this on our own. And so God provides for them. If you look through the book of 1 Samuel, he provides King Saul, who eventually would turn into King David. And King David would eventually bring us to who? Jesus. That's God's answer. Jesus is God's answer. He says, if you want to know how to live your life, you want to know what's asked of you, you want to know how to get closer to me, you want to know how to grow in your faith, I'm going to give you a king and he's going to show you exactly what you need to do. And he's going to show you exactly how you're supposed to live because he's living in complete obedience to God. Now, I've got three minutes left, and I'm actually supposed to be going into commandment number one. Uh, so clearly out of time for that. But we can just tell Scott, since he's not here, that we did it and deal with the consequences later. They shouldn't be that bad, so we'll be all right, okay? little application there. But here, let's do it real quick. We've got, we got three minutes. Two minutes. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You must not have any other God but me. The first and most important command for God to give to the people was this. I need to be the leader in your life. I need to be in the driver's seat in your life. If you want it to work the way that it was intended to work, if you want to be able to see the reason why behind these, if you want to know me, if you want to know my heart, you want to know what's most important to me, then have no other gods but before me. Trust me that what I tell you that you're supposed to do is going to lead to life, is going to lead to freedom, is going to lead to living into those purposes that I've created you for, and is going to light the path that I want you to go. So as we go through the rest of this series over the next couple of weeks, try to remember those two extremes, really, and try to help yourself find the balance and understand that it's not just about following rules. It's not just about doing what we're supposed to do because that's what the Bible says to do but understanding the reason why, because it reveals who God is and shows us what God desires for our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And and I'll be the first to admit in this room that there are times when I I open it up and it's overwhelming because there's so many things you want me to do and so many things you don't want me to do that, that it can be so exhausting that it's easy just to convince myself you don't care. It can't possibly be What you want me to live my life consumed by. And the reality is, you don't. And that's the point. It's to trust you. It's to trust that you know what's best for my life and to to submit to that and to live into that and trust in you. And so, God, help us all to do that. Help us to live outside of the, the burden of religion where we think we've just got to follow all these rules to make you happy and help us to to not fall into the trap of thinking you don't care about how we live our lives because you do, and it truly matters. So God, we love you. We ask that you continue to guide us and lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, real quick, I've got about negative 40 seconds to tell you this. Uh, First thing is, uh, Passion Camp, if you are uh, a chaperone on this trip, it's a youth group trip they're taking, um, there's a meeting for you at 12.30 in the back lobby, which is in 30 minutes. Um, So if you're planning on chaperoning this or you want to chaperone it, uh, please head back there. An hour after this at 1.30, there's going to be another meeting, but this is going to be for the students and their parents. Uh, so the students who are going on the trip, and if you're, your children are going on that trip, you're going to want to, to, um, to, to learn and to see what's going on and see what the details of this trip are. So 1.30 uh, in the back of the lobby as well. Um, but other than that, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much for being here, and I'll see you next Sunday.